There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to News from the Krabby Coffee Shop with your host, Don McLean, from Jason and Alexis in the Morning on My Talk 1071, Garage Logic's newsman, Mr. FYI, John Height, and the crabbiest guy in the coffee shop, Kenny Olson. Hey, dummies. Hey, crabbies. I'm actually not really sure what Kenny decided on. Are you dummies? Are you crabbies? Hoopleheads? That's always my favorite. Whatever, welcome into a best of edition of news from the Krabby Coffee Shop. I am producer Ross Brendel guiding you along in studio. Bit of a monumental cast for the show. We have enough material to call it an air quote best of. We'll let you decide if it truly is a best of or not. A couple of great things lined up on this cast for you. We're going to start with a very interesting conversation with a man who was perhaps the smartest person, not perhaps, he was the smartest person to appear on news from the Krabby Coffee Shop so far. Dr. Avi Loeb is a professor at Harvard. He piqued one of Kenny's interests when he wrote a book discussing whether or not we have been visited by intelligent life forms from outside this galaxy. Here is that conversation going back to mid-March with Dr. Avi Loeb, Kenny Olson, and John Height on news from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Earlier this week, I discovered something. And where did I discover it? I don't know, trending on Twitter or somewhere about an object that whizzed by or came through our solar system called Oumuamua. And uh, discovered a, um, um, a a doctor from Harvard, a professor, uh, Dr. Avi Loeb, and he th- has theorized and wrote a book, um, basically theorizing that this thing, whatever it was, it's not a comet and it's not an asteroid, might have been an example of intelligent life forms yeah. from outside of our galaxy. Uh, and I don't know, listeners may remember this. It, it, it was discovered in 2017. A bizarre, blunt shaped object came whizzing by uh, in our space. It measured approximately a half a mile in length, uh, was moving at a really strange pace. Uh, and all the alien watchers, the people in the observatories, saw this and they really got excited. Um, and, and they named it Oumuamua and called it a natural phenomenon, but the head of Harvard's astronomy department, now he just published a book, and he believes that the giant object was alien in origin. And, of course, I read that, and it's like, okay, this could prove Fermi wrong. Uh, Let's talk about this. So, um, Ross, uh, we had Ross get a hold of the doctor, and I believe, Ross, you have uh, Dr. Loeb on the phone? Yes, we do. 
Dr. Loeb, um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and, and the show is called <laughs> uh, News from the Krabby Coffee Shop, and we're pedestrians, um, we're civilians, and we're not very smart. So uh, <laughs> I really appreciate you joining us, sir. Well, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I don't know if uh, the producer told you, but I'm basically a farm boy. Not, all my titles are not really <laughs> okay, good. Uh, significant. Yeah. Good, good, because so, I, I, I might end up making some farm boy type references here. Um, uh, but I, I've been studying you and uh, Amuamua, and it's just fascinating. Could you take us back to the fall of 20? Oh, and I shouldn't uh, also tell you, Doctor, I'm Kenny. Um, my co host today is John Hyde, and he's joining Hi, us. Hi, Doctor. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, Doc, uh, take us back to 2017, and can you describe what astronomers saw um, in Maui? Yes, um, um, it was uh, on Mount uh, Haleakala. There is a telescope that surveys the sky, and um, it, it uh, was constructed about a decade ago, and, um, and then it uh, discovered unexpectedly an object that uh, moved too fast to be bound to the sun. So it looked as if it came from outside the solar system. This was the first object identified as coming from outside the solar system in the vicinity of the Earth, and we saw the reflection of sunlight from it. Um, it was given the name Oumuamua because it meant um, a scout in the Hawaiian language. So um, at first, astronomers thought it must be a comet. Uh, a comet is a, a, a rock covered with ice. So when it gets close to the sun, the sun, the ice uh, warms up and you end up with uh, evaporation and uh, gas and, and dust uh, surround the object. But this object didn't show any cometary tail around it. It was definitely not a comet of the type we had seen before. And as it was um, tumbling every eight hours, the amount of sunlight reflected from it changed by a factor of 10. And this implied oh. that it, it has a very extreme shape, most likely flat. Uh, based on the analysis of the variation of light. And then the most uh, strange thing about it is it was pushed away from the sun by some mysterious force, which couldn't be the rocket effect from evaporation of gases because we haven't seen any. Uh, and the only explanation I could think of is the reflection of sunlight is pushing it. And actually in September 2020, there was another object they discovered that was pushed away from the sun by reflecting sunlight and they also had no cometary tail. Uh, it turned out to be uh, a rocket booster from a 1966 launch by NASA to the moon. Uh, so that's an object that we produced. It had the thin walls, and as a result, it, uh, it had a large area for its mass, so the sunlight bouncing off it pushed it. Uh, but uh, it's clear that that object, the second one, uh, was artificial. It was produced by us. Right. The question is, uh, who produced the Muamua? Hmm. Right, and where did it come from? Right. Where we do don't you? Know. Uh, do you think it came from outside of our solar system? Oh yeah, that that we know for sure based on the way it moved. Uh, it, you know, if you throw um, a tennis ball up in the air, it comes back because you don't throw it fast enough. Uh, that's what NASA does when it launches rockets. And, right. Uh, you know the, so the the point is, if an object moves fast enough, it cannot be bound by gravity. You, uh, the, uh, oh. the sun's gravity cannot keep it. So when we sent out spacecraft 
moving fast enough, like uh, Voyager or New Horizon, they will exit eventually the solar system. And that's because they move fast enough to escape. And uh, this object was moving uh, too fast to be bound to the sun. It it, uh, definitely came from outside based on that. So that we know for sure. The question of what it was made of and what its intent was and whether it was natural or artificial, you know, we don't know for sure because it just passed near us for a few months and astronomers were not particularly uh sufficiently i should say we're not sufficiently curious about it uh but now i'm sure that the we you know when the next Oumuamua comes along we will uh, stare at it much more carefully and we're pretty sure that it is headed back out of our solar system correct and should be gone in, in a matter of a few years um well, it takes it uh, tens of thousands of years to cross the entire solar system because the oh. solar system is, is huge. Oh. The solar system extends halfway to the nearest star. There is a cloud of that is called the Oort cloud of basically pieces of rock that are f- floating out there. They, they were leftover uh, Lego pieces from the construction of the planets uh, in the solar system. So there is a huge uh, region that goes out to 100,000 times the Earth-Sun separation that is still part of the solar system. So to cross all of that will take tens of thousands of years for this object. So um, then you ask yourself, how, how many more are inside the solar system right now? Yeah. And uh, to find out, we need to, to look. And uh, gladly, in a year, there will be a telescope uh, operating that is much more sensitive than uh, PANSTARS, the telescope that discovered uh, Oumuamua. And uh, it's called the Vera Rubin Observatory in Chile. Mm-hmm. And uh, it could discover the next Oumuamua, many more. And um, I uh, established about half a year ago a project. And one of the important tasks of the project uh, would be to design a space mission that will bring a camera very close to the next Oumuamua so that we can get a high-resolution image of it. Oh. You know, because... They say a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, in my case, it's worth sixty-six thousand words. The number of words in my book. Uh, <laughs> I, I would never, you know, if I had a picture, I would never need to write a book. It would save me a lot of time. By the way, uh, the book. I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, the book is it's available everywhere. I ordered it uh, yesterday from Amazon. It's called Extraterrestrial: The First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth. John, did you have a question? I, I do have a couple of questions, Doctor. Uh, the first one, because I know originally a lot of scientists thought this was a comet or whatever. What happens uh, with comets? I know they reoccur, the comets that we see, Halley's Comet, etc. Do they uh, make some sort of route around the solar system and come back? Uh, that's my first question. And then my second question is, uh, as far as Oumuamua goes, uh, are, do we still have any idea where that's at, or do we just have any... Can we see it in any way, or is it too far gone to to see anymore? Yeah, yeah so um, comets um, that we often see coming back, like Halley's Comet, you know, they are bound to the sun, so they just move around it. And, uh, you know, the Earth goes around the sun every year. Um, that's mm-hmm. why we have the seasons. Uh, and... Uh, so objects that are bound to the sun come back. Uh, it's just like the example of, uh, you know, the tennis ball that you throw up, it comes back because mm-hmm. 
it's, bo- it's bound to the Earth gravitationally. And so um, all these objects that are part of the solar system are bound to the sun, so they can come back again and again. And, mm-hmm. and the, the rate by which they come back um, depends on uh, how far they are. The closer they are to the sun, the, the more quickly they finish uh, a whole uh, orbit around it. Um, so, uh, for example, just to give you an example, the Earth moves around the sun in one year, but Mars takes much longer and because it's farther out. And so, um, so anyway, um, and Halley's Comet takes uh, uh, even longer. So um, it all depends on how far an object is. Now, with Oumuamua, uh, the thing is, even when it passed near the Earth, it moved faster than all the chemical rockets that uh, we can produce mm-hmm. right now. And um, so we couldn't really chase it, even if we wanted. But uh, moreover, by now, it's millions of times fainter than it was close to us. So uh, an object that goes far from the sun, you know, the sun is just like a lamppost. It mm-hmm. illuminates uh, uh, around it. And you need, you know, the only way to find keys is under the lamppost. Uh, yeah. So once it goes very far, you can't find, we cannot really, even if we had the propulsion to chase it, we wouldn't be able to find it because it's so faint. Hmm. Um, so there's a bunch of different theories. Your fellow scientists um, have talked about a bunch of different theories, a uh, hydrogen iceberg, which I don't know what that is, and uh, cosmic dust bunnies, which doesn't make sense to me. Uh, well, first of all, can you explain what a hydrogen iceberg is, Doctor? Yeah, but it's, so the idea is, we didn't see a cometary tail. We didn't see evaporation of this object the way we see with comets. Right. Usually you see um, water vapor or you see dust coming off them, but there wasn't anything like it. So the idea was to say, okay, well, there is evaporation of this object. That's what gives it push away from the sun. It's not the reflection of sun. It's actually evaporation, just like in a, an ordinary comet. You know, it's the rocket effect that is pushing it, the fact that it evaporates is pushing it in, in the opposite direction. Um, so uh, they say, uh, yeah, but we can't see the vapor. We can't see the thing that evaporates. And right. hydrogen is transparent. So if you make a chunk of frozen hydrogen, a hydrogen iceberg, if you imagine that and it's passing close to the sun, it will evaporate and you won't, you won't see the, the gas coming off it. You would think that it's not a comet, but it's actually a comet just made of pure hydrogen. Now, we've never seen anything like it. We've never seen a chunk of frozen hydrogen. Right. To make it, you, you need um, a very special nursery that would make such things, like um, molecular clouds. We don't know if they make uh, chunks of frozen hydrogen the, the size of a football field. In this case, it <laughs> needs to be quite big. Right. Um, and, and also, uh, I wrote a scientific paper with, with a colleague of mine showing that such an iceberg would evaporate very quickly. It wouldn't survive the journey through interstellar space because it absorbs uh, starlight. So there is this problem that it it evaporates too easily. So then another team said, well, maybe it's not a hydrogen iceberg, it's a nitrogen iceberg. And there the problem is there is not enough solid nitrogen to account for enough chips like that uh, in the Milky Way galaxy. And then there was a suggestion, maybe it's a dust bunny, uh, a, a collection of dust particles that are very loosely bound, just like, um, I mean, a hundred times less dense than air, just like a cloud. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And the problem with that is that when it gets close to the sun, it will get heated by hundreds of degrees, and this cloud would not maintain its integrity. It will break apart. And so anyway, there were all these uh, uh, suggestions by the mainstream of astronomy trying to explain it as a natural object. And uh, I said, you know, all of them have challenges, all of these explanations, and, and they are talking about something we've never seen before. So we have to consider the possibility that it's also a, a technological object. Right. Um, and, and uh, you know, because it's otherwise we resemble a caveman, a cave dweller that finds a cell phone and looks at the cell phone and says, well, it's, it's a rock. It's yeah. like a rock of a <laughs> yeah. that I've never seen before. Exactly. And I found it in my research very frustrating that so many scientists are trying to not call this artificial life. And to me, your theory, you know, being a pedestrian, and um, it makes the most sense to me because you have basically negated uh, the Fermi paradox. Uh, and, and that's what is so interesting to me. And people seem to have this notion that aliens or alien life forms are intelligent. Uh, they all have legs and arms and heads and eyeballs, and they kind of look like us, but not, they're, they're not. Uh, and no, not. what I love about yours is that whatever this artificial life could be doesn't have to have a human form. That's right. Um, in fact, um, you know, humans uh, were um, selected by evolution to survive on the surface of Earth. We are not equipped to survive for a long time in space, uh, despite what uh, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk are saying, you know, that they would bring a lot of people to Mars and, or, or uh, the moon and so forth. You know, it's very risky, very dangerous uh, out there. We feel very comfortable here on Earth. Uh, it makes much more sense to send equipment to space. And, uh, yeah. you know, we have uh, artificial intelligence driving cars now. And right. uh, I can imagine that in the future we'll send AI astronauts, astronauts that are autonomous. You know, they can think for themselves, but made of uh, gadgets. You know, they, right. they would right. be, um, uh, so they would be able to learn from experience the way AI systems do, machine learning, and uh, operate in space. And if we can imagine doing that in the coming decades, someone else might, might have done it before us because, you know, we, we know that most of the stars form billions of years before the sun and, and um, a large fraction of them are just like the sun. They have a, an Earth-like planet next to them and you could have had the things like us a billion years ago. And so why should we assume that we are really, you know, the, the, the only, the smartest kid on the block, the, the only right. intelligent species that ever exists. I think that, you know, Albert Einstein was not the smartest scientist that ever lived since the Big Bang. There was another scientist on another planet that lived a billion years ago. Yes. And the civilization <laughs> yes. that benefited from it could have sent a lot of probes to space that would have reached us by now. Uh, Doctor, do you think it is just that uh, the mainstream science uh, folks, is it that arrogance of intelligence, do you think, that makes them, you know, poo-poo everything that uh, might come out that they don't agree with? What, why do you think they fight back to that, at that sort of thing? Well, there are two, two reasons for that. One, the public is extremely interested. And many people in academia, they prefer to distance themselves from the public. They prefer to work on, on something that the public doesn't quite understand. You know, like how many angels can sit on the tip of a pin? Okay? Right. <laughs> if you can do very fancy <laughs> mathematics, 
that uh, shows that you are smart and doesn't necessarily is not clear uh, to the public, then you know that puts you on a pedestal in a way because you are able to do something that other people are not able to understand. And so that's one aspect. The second is uh, the the fact that you know experts, people that worked for decades on studying rocks, for example, in the sky, uh, asteroids and comets, they want to explain anything that comes along based on their knowledge. And if they were to admit that there is something they missed, something that is completely outside of the territory of their expertise, then, you know, it would show some weakness. And so they resist that. And they say, we should not even discuss anything that we don't know about. Everything is natural. Everything is a rock, uh, even if it's of a type that we've never seen before. It must be natural. Right. And, you know, this way they, they maintain their expertise. And there is always... This argument, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Well, my point is, and by the way, this was said by Carl Sagan, but I think it's wrong because extraordinary evidence requires extraordinary funding. You need to to be engaged in the search. (laughs) You know, you need to look for things. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you would never find them. I can't tell you how many times somebody has said to me, uh, what kind of rock is that? And my answer is always the same. What, what are you talking about? It's a rock. A rock is a rock. One reason I, I search for intelligence in space is because I don't often find it here on Earth. <laughs> well, you you won't find it on this program, but Doctor, uh, I, this might be the smartest discussion I've ever had in my life, and I'm so honored uh, that you joined us today. Again, um, the book is called Extraterrestrial, The First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth uh, by Dr. Avi Loeb, and I, I'm so grateful that you joined us here today, and I'm really looking forward to getting and reading your book, sir. Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you, you, Doctor. Real fascinating stuff right there from Dr. Avi Loeb in that interview with John Haidt and Kenny Olson going back in this feed to March 16th. If you liked that interview, you can hear it again right there and more on the topic in the March 16th News from the Krabby Coffee Shop podcast. We'll stay outside the human element, if you will. Coming up in just mere moments, we'll talk a little time travel with Kenny, John, and Don on this best-of edition of News from the Krabby Coffee Shop. DK Mags is a full-service gun shop offering permit-to-carry classes twice a month. For more information, get online to dkmags.com. We all know responsible gun owners always lock up their firearms, and DK Mags has gun locks and handgun safes to keep those firearms safe. DK Mags buys unwanted firearms from both individuals and estates, so keep that in mind if you're thinking about thinning the collection. DK Mags also offers storage options for firearms if you need that option. DK Mags is at 443 Old Highway 8 in New Brighton. They have a wonderful staff, a great selection, and fair prices. And you should check out their other location, Monticello Pawn and Gun. That's where you'll find electronics, tools, and a variety of crazy and unusual items. Monticello Pond and Gun also hiring right now, so give them a call, 763-295-6955, or stop in, shop, or fill out an app, 1219 Highway 25 South in Monticello. If you discovered something that would allow you to travel forward in time or backward in time, which way would you go? And according Mm. to this poll, uh, 49% of people would prefer to travel back in time 
30% would jump forward and 21% don't know. What kind of ant? <laughs> I hate it when people go, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know, and they include oh, them. I, uh, yeah. Uh, the question, though, is can I come back? Sure, yeah. Now, men were more likely to want to travel forward in time. Really? Right, and women wanted to travel backward. Old people were less likely to want to travel forward. <laughs> that might be an obvious uh, yeah, thing. Yeah, huh. they'll be standing at their own grave. Right, but they yeah. would be alive, but not, I don't know. What would you guys choose? Forward? Oh, backward. Backward, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I've got so many unanswered questions. Yep. Uh, yeah, and it would be fun just to witness it. Absolutely. And, and especially great moments in history. Yes. Yeah. How cool would it be there to just, you know, kind of be lurking and, and watch it go down? And if then, you could specifically go somewhere, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Dial it up. Right here in whatever year. Right, like on Family Guy, Stewie dials up his time machine and him yeah. and Brian go back in time exactly. to a specific date. That'd be so awesome. Yeah. So you are with uh, more with the women because men usually want to go forward. Yeah, oh. no, I know. I, I have no interest in tomorrow. Well, mm. I think a couple of years ago I would have wanted to go forward, but now really? I don't. What does that say about yourself um, if you want to go forward or backward? Are you worried about the future, McLean? Now I am. Now yeah. you are? Yes. Yeah. It's just it's a crappy yeah. situation out there. It doesn't seem yeah. to be getting better. Yeah. You know? It would be fun to know how long we could last, wouldn't it? Yeah. I want to see how bad it gets. I changed my mind. I want to go forward. A hundred years to see if Let's we get see. over all uh, of this. Six months down the road, am I still going to be doing this? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> you might just be able off. to go a day and forward. I don't know. Yeah, it does vary from day to day. You're right, Don. Yeah. When um, you when you go forward or backwards, are you stuck there? I don't think so. No, it doesn't that say that in the poll. Oh, sorry, but I Kenny. would say you can come back. Okay, then what about going back and changing history? The night I got no. shot, April 11th, yeah. 1974. Mm -hmm. What if I went back five minutes before that and made sure I didn't get shot? Um, if you change history, what else are you changing? Everything. Yeah, exactly. That's the, exactly. the sci-fi yeah. weirdness. Mm -hmm. It's the uh, rip in the time continuum. Yeah. I think we've all lived anything. this in some way, shape, or form if you've watched Back to the Future 1, 2, or 3. Oh, right. right. Or right. watch the show Loki on Disney+. Plus. Or the old time tunnel, which shows my age. That was the 1960s. Oh. That's what that big machine they'd sit in? Yep. yep. Yeah. And all of a sudden. Yeah. Or Doctor Who. Right. Yeah. Right. Huh. Yeah. Backwards. Or Quantum Leap. <laughs> Quantum Leap. That's yes. right. I tried that for, for a half a season. It's coming back. Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula. Yeah. Yep. Scott Bakula. Yep. Or Bakula, as some people say. John, I just want you to know you have just turned yourself into a caption contest, by the way. By doing that. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, you look like you're things. riding down a roller coaster going, <laughs> Woo! Yeah, oh, good. Good. Uh, you know uh, what? Now I would like to go back and then not come back. Um, <laughs> Is that so you don't have to do this pod? <laughs> no, that would, if I could take my daughter with Cast. me, if we could both go back in time to some time period uh, that was a little less stressful. I I've, guess it's always been stressful, just in different ways. Uh, you know? I've, I've given this a lot of thought, actually, probably too much thought. I'm going to need air conditioning. I'm okay. going to need central air, screened windows, <laughs> insulation. 
and, and I don't want to travel by horseback, so I'm going to need cars. Y- you know what I'm saying? So you can't go yeah. back that far. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind going back for a, a half a day to the 1800s or the 1700s, but come on, man. I don't want to be a pioneer. I, I could barely tolerate the weather we have right now, and I've got all the comforts. Right. <laughs> yeah. What was it like to live like, you know, like the sod busters just oh, out? It had to no. suck. Oh God. No. Yeah. That I, I get yelled at at my Such house because <laughs> on a cold day I will always say, "What in the hell were people doing in 1872, sitting in their cabin on a day like today?" Right. And my wife and kid both go, "Are you nuts? What is what? wrong with you?" I think about that all the time, Joe. Yeah, I do too. I think about always. those things. Always. Yeah, I wish I had more time to think about him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we've got it easy right now. Would would even be better than actually going back yourself? Have the ability to send like a, a, a some sort of I don't know. Um, camera back in time, so I can actually just sit in my living room oh, and see spy. my ans- yeah, see my ancestors <laughs> oh, doing gosh. that. Uh, a magic just mirror. Watch it. Yeah. yeah what, what What are these? The remote controlled little cameras that fly around now? Drones. Drones. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd, I'd like to send a drone back. Okay. That's that's. Can you I'm talk at. through it and kind of be the god of the Middle Ages or something? Because people would think that you're. <laughs> I would some type go of back alien. to Christmas Eve when my it would be my great great uncle Jalmer died at age twenty one, and I'd Whoa. you know I'd go back and say, hey Jalmer, it, it's about to go down here. You better get right with God. Wow. Yeah, yeah that'd 21. be fun. Twenty one. Yeah, in the home, and that was oh. back in the days when um, wow. The dead body stays in the house for a few days before they finally plant them. Oh, boy. And since it was Christmas, what did they do? Put them out in the hmm. ice shack, I guess. Probably. In the the shed where they store the ice. Yeah. Well, that creates another question, though. Your drone thing, could could you go back and say you're standing watching something that you want to discover, take a picture, and then come back and bring the picture with you? Oh. You know what I'm saying? I want that. I think that. we can do all of these things. I want all of that. Well, that well, was my question. Change is... the history, you can take the picture, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. my question along with that was, are you actively participating or are you just kind of a bystander that nobody can really see? Yeah, bystander, nobody see. Yeah. No, you're creeping around. Because <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to see, I don't want to necessarily see all the death and bloodshed, but I think kind of getting a real historical perspective in the moment of what the Civil War looked like oh, would be yes. incredibly fascinating. Oh, right. Absolutely. But what are those jackasses going to do when they're lined up Napoleon-style war face-to-face and here comes a drone buzzing the battlefield? <laughs> we, I think we'd end, end the Civil War right then and there. They'd all run for their so. lives. If I could go back to, you know, when I come through the building, this Hubbard building, and I see those black and white photos on the wall yeah. of these first old radio broadcasts, yeah. I would give anything to be there. That is right. just so fascinating. I just yeah. look at them yeah. and I think, I can't believe that we are doing something that they started. And I just feel lucky that yeah. I'm here. Um, and I when, just wish I could be there. I don't know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When I first started here in the 80s, there were still employees that worked with, um, they called him, him the old man, the original Mr. Hubbard. Yeah. I now refer to him as Grandpa because that's what my boss, Ginny, calls him, Grandpa, uh-huh. Grandpa Hubbard. Um, but they said he was the world's biggest character, so cool. 
um, really stringent, hard on his employees, but yet very um, dedicated uh, to his employees also. If you worked hard, he really respected you and would help mm-hmm. you out. And a great guy, but he had a lot of great ideas. He was also An innovator, obs- yeah. Yeah, and he was also obsessed with flight. Uh, so there's a whole different part of him that not a lot of employees know about is the stuff he did for flying back in the day. And it'd be so fun to hang out with him. Yeah. Like he made everybody stand up delivering the news. Yes. Yeah, There's no sitting down. There's pictures of that on, yeah, the, yeah. on the wall. That's pretty cool. Coming in. Yeah. And, and then going out and doing that uh, golf, um, play-by-play on that golf thing where they didn't have anything to carry the remote equipment. That's right. So they grabbed a baby carriage. <laughs> yes. And that's what that picture is. They're out on a golf course. And I think, is it Keller? that they're on i don't know, I don't know. Yeah. some company historians can tell me but they're out at the golf course carrying this crazy giant old radio equipment in a big giant baby carriage and i think <laughs> i could be wrong but i think that might be our chairman's our current chairman's baby carriage oh my god and how cool would it be if that thing still existed yeah right. i would love to just look at all the pictures they have you know yeah yeah, yeah, they would let us. We do have extensive archives. I mean, there's a guy, mm-hmm. w- one person that runs it all. Oh. It's over in the Conus building. Double oh. G, Glenn Griffin. Yeah, yep, Glenn does that. Oh, well, maybe I can look at some pictures. I can this... make my dreams come true. <laughs> we should go down there one day because yeah. I asked him recently if I could come down and literally stare at all the stuff that he has. Yes. And I also have some stuff to bring him. So let's, let's you know do what? it. As they say, Don, let's talk offline. Okay. Uh, <laughs> could I transfer out of radio and podcasting and just go work for him? The archive guy? Yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. Maybe that'd be he's, cool. Yeah. Maybe he's frustrated with his job and he wants to give it yeah. up. Hey, Glenn, you want to do a podcast? <laughs> we should have Glenn. Doesn't pay well. We should have Glenn. <laughs> Let's have Glenn take your job for a Wednesday, and yeah. you take Glenn's job for a Wednesday, and let us in so we can look at all this stuff. Glenn is a nice man, and I hope he listens to this podcast. He is one of my favorite people to talk to in the building because he is much like everybody on this pod in, in one way, shape, or form. We are all characters. Glenn is a true character. Yeah, he can he can yeah. tell a story. Oh, cool. Well, that's it for the podcast today. Yeah, that's enough. (laughs) That's enough. That segment right there was from the February 23rd edition available in this feed. That edition also included some very corny jokes. I may have had one. I definitely know Kenny, John, and Don did. And Kenny gave us some rather odd food recipes. That entire episode from February 23rd and all of the news from the Krabby Coffee Shops available in either the news from the Krabby Coffee Shop feed or the Garage Logic feed if you're listening in that news from the Krabby Coffee Shop feed. Kenny won't say it, but I will. We would definitely love a five star rating or review if you have the time and if you have it within your heart to do just that. Thank you for giving this edition of the best of a listen and a download. Kenny, John, and Don, the entire crew, the entire news from the Krabby Coffee Shop crew, they're back next week. Thank you so much for listening.